With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And today, we have a special guest, Ethan Skolnick, who covers the Miami Heat. He is the CEO of Five Reasons Sports down in Miami. And for the first time ever, and I held this out until I didn't tell Chris about this. I didn't tell anybody about this. For the first time ever, the Wine and Gold Talk podcast has two Pinecrest alums. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Class- okay, but I'm, I'm guessing it's a different decade, though, or, or Pine- actually century. Pinecrest, <laughs> Pinecrest Panther, class of 2011. Oh, geez, stop. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. That's... Stop. I was I was holding it out. I was like, we got to. It is it is a different century. I was right. Yes. Actually. So oh, yeah, we, we just got to let it go to the let it let it happen on the podcast. So yeah. All right. So yeah, no, nineteen ninety. So yes, definitely different century. My brother was centuries, back, but I'm was, sure there was, was ninety four. I'm sure there was some overlap of teachers and and people. Yeah. The, no, the grandchildren of the teachers taught you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's how that works. Yeah, but it's a small world, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, it, it is. And actually, that's not a small world campus anymore. It's nicer than my college campus. It's so way nicer than my college campus. And I went to Ohio State. Like, holy smokes, man. Yeah. That place is insane. Yes, uh, I went to Johns Hopkins, and it does not compare. It's, no, uh, no. And Johns Hopkins is a beautiful, beautiful campus down there in Baltimore. But, um, but yeah, Pinecrest is crazy these days. So, Chris, yeah. there you go. You brought in two Pinecrest Panthers for the uh, for the Wine and Gold Talk podcast today. I knew exactly what I was doing. Who else was a big alum from Pinecrest? Well, that would, be, Knight? that would be former Cavalier Brandon Knight. Yeah, yeah. There you Brandon go. Knight. I knew there was somebody uh, else. Kelsey Grammer, Kelsey Grammer, okay. and uh, Wayne Heisinga. Wayne Heisinga, and the two, and the porn star who ran for governor of California. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> And also the two Thompson twins, I believe. Yes, the Thompson twins did did play, and I didn't even know that actually yep. until right before the draft. But yes, yep. the Thompson uh, twins. So Pinecrest is becoming. My man and us are both played there. That's correct. Basketball factory. Yes, which I never would have thought. No, but well, I, at my at my age, you, nobody playing basketball was was either non Jewish or taller than five seven. So yeah, it's, it changed quite a bit. <laughs> I love it. Well, Ethan covers the Miami Heat, and obviously we wanted to, today to talk about uh, Max Struess, who the Cavaliers brought in via trade with Miami. Um, Ethan, what is – just kind of give us a foundation for what Max Struess brings, what he brought to Miami, what Cavaliers fans can expect from him, and uh, how he might fit in here in Cleveland. Well, I mean, to start here, uh, he's a good dude. I mean, let's just start there. He's uh, very well-liked by his teammates. Um, I actually was – texting with him about an hour ago to to bring him on my podcast because he wants to say thank you to Heat fans. So uh, that's kind of who he is. Um, you know, I, I think everything in Miami now is whether or not Jimmy Butler likes you or not. Yeah. Uh, and he liked Max pretty much from the very beginning. I, I think it's because of uh, – Max has, like I said, he's a really nice guy, but he's got kind of a – he definitely has a chip. I mean, there's no question. Um, I mean, he has a lot of belief in his ability, and and I think that – 
and his willingness to kind of go back at Jimmy. Um, and he was hardened by the Heat's conditioning program, by their their developmental program more specifically, you know, where they put the ball in his hands a lot um, two summer leagues ago to kind of get him ready for a bigger role. And, you know, he flourished in that. Then, you know, he kind of ended up passing Duncan Robinson, you know, his friend on the team uh, mm-hmm. for his role. And, you know, as you know, obviously, he, you know, he's part of it. You know, he, he was a starter essentially in the playoffs uh, two straight years. Well, the first time because Tyler was coming off the bench and the second time because Tyler was hurt. And, you know, they ended up getting at the conference finals into the finals. So, I, I you know, there were patches of inconsistency uh, with the shot. He's not afraid to shoot it. Uh, at all he's got a very quick release um but he would go through some bad spells and we saw that in the finals in two of the games obviously where he really struggled and but i don't think that his confidence was that shaken um he was very sort of apologetic about what happened in one of those games because uh, i think he didn't want to let his teammates down he's a big believer in, in in like i said the heat's developmental program and all the undrafted he was close with gabe and with caleb um obviously gabe got his own deal i think that the situation with with Vincent and Struess was a little different. We thought after the season that Struess would be gone and Gabe would still be here. Um, that just mm. seemed to be the way that things were leaning uh, because Duncan Robinson is still under contract in part. And because, you know, they were going to move off of Kyle Lowry. So we figured, okay, they're going to re-sign Gabe. They, they lowballed Gabe, at least his camp felt they lowballed him. Mm. And that's the reason he left. But in Max's case, they never really even got the chance. Cause I mean, once the numbers started to come in, you know, north of 10 or 11 million a year. I don't think that's a place with the Heat's luxury tax position and their other priorities that they were willing to go. So um, I think everybody kind of wished him well. There's no hard feelings about any of it. He's a good player. He's more athletic, I think, than he's given credit for. Um, His defense, he competes. Uh, There are times he did a really good job. There are times he struggled. But he's a good addition. And and I think, again, Miami uh, will wish him well. And, uh, you know, there's no hard feelings there. And He's a player they probably would like to have back in a few years, just kind of like they just took Josh Richardson back. Mm. Ethan, do you view him as a starter quality wing in the NBA? In the right system, on the right team. Um, I think with what you guys have there, I think yes, um, because you have bigs that can protect him. Mm. And and so I I feel like he can be, and you also have shot creation in the backcourt. So I honestly think that, uh, he's a real good fit there at, at sort of a three, a two, three spot or a three. Um, mm. He won't hurt them defensively very much again, because of his competition level. And, and I think that, I, I think he's a good fit. Honestly, I, I think uh, he's a better fit in a place like Cleveland than I thought he would have been in Indiana, I guess, mm-hmm. which was another team that was mentioned. Um, I think, you know, cause I, cause I like Indiana's kind of, trajectory now trajectory trajectory now but they're a little further behind cleveland obviously so i i feel like max is better on a good team there are certain players that are better on good teams or better on a bad team he's not he's not a compiler um Mm. but i think he needs to be around good players um i i feel like you know when he was playing with jimmy and bam his numbers his on off numbers were very good um and and they were a lot better to be honest than tyler's were and that was one of the issues for the first two, three months of the season was that, you know, Tyler, I wouldn't say he was gifted the starting spot, but the Heat knew that it worked with Struess in the starting lineup, but they went back to Tyler because he's a higher paid player. He's the higher upside player. Uh, But the Heat were best when Tyler was running the bench and handling and doing all those kinds of things. And it was a real transition 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons that he struggled so much for the short two, three, three months of the season, even though Tyler was playing well, um, it, it yeah. just didn't work. It worked better with Struess in the starting lineup. Um, and because again, Miami has good defensive players who could protect him. Uh, and they had shot creation, you know, whether, you know, whether it was through Spolster system or through Bam or through Jimmy. Um, and I think, you know, in Cleveland's case, you got a lot of the same elements. Ethan, I'm curious what you make of of his contract that he got from the Cavs. It's a four year deal, sixty three million. Um, that averages out to a little bit less than sixteen million per year. Um, it's fascinating to me because on one hand, like that's essentially what um, other players that are very similar to him are making. Mm, right. Tim Hardaway Jr., Doug McDermott, uh, both Bogdanoviches, but like at the same time. Like those are contracts that teams don't love having on right. their books and they're trying right. to shed those. Right. So what do you make of, of his salary? Um, here's what I make of it. I, I, I feel like it's kind of going right at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, if you look at, I mean, okay, he's not Desmond Bain, he's not Tyrese Halliburton, but right. you know, I mean, you look at some of those contracts that have been given out, and I don't think Cleveland will necessarily come to regret it. Um, but I will say that Miami getting Josh Richardson back at the minimum to essentially take the Struce spot when yeah. I think as players, to me, that's a push. Um, you know, I, I think Miami will take that value. So I think you got to, it, it's from every team's perspective, you know, to Miami, Struce wasn't worth 16 million a year. Not, not with Duncan Robinson on the books. And not when they had a feeling they might be able to talk Josh back in the coming. And in Josh's case, they get a guy who's a, a better defender, um, not as much of a volume three-point shooter, but actually shot a higher percentage and has, you know, a little bit more sort of wiggle to his game. Um, I, but but I think for Cleveland, again, it, it's, it's you know, if you're struggling to find the piece, then he makes sense. Like if you need shooting, you need someone who's ultra competitive, has played in big games, um is not scared by those big games even though he struggled in some of them by the way Miami probably doesn't even make the playoffs if not for what Struce did in the play-in game against Chicago so I mean right. yeah you know so so there can be some criticism of, of what happened in the finals but I mean Max saved them a whole bunch of times and a whole bunch of moments um you know going all the way back to the, the conference finals the year before etc um so I, I don't have I don't think it's a great contract um, but I don't think it's an albatross contract, if that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like, right. you know, what you're looking to get out of him is, you know, how much upside there is there. I'm not sure. I talked to him before last season in training camp. So what would you want to be? He says, look, I want to be a solid NBA player. You know, he didn't even say start. He didn't say anything like this. He says solid NBA player, you know, for several years. I mean, that was kind of his, he, he, he has confidence as an ability to help a team win. I don't think he, but he's not an egotistical, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I get it. And, and, and I think that he will understand kind of very quickly what they need. And, you know, if, if you look, obviously, I mean, you guys are well aware of this. I mean, Cleveland's problems were on the wings last year, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like uh, primarily. Um, and also it was with a little bit being scared of the moment against the Knicks in the first round. Well, Max has been to the finals now. He's been the conference finals the other year. Yeah. And so he's not really going to be afraid of anything. I, and so I, I think it's a good a good young veteran addition. Like I said, he'll be well-liked in that room. Um, he'll definitely click with Donovan. And I, I just think that there's, uh, you know, th- there there's value to that. Um, but, you know, two years into it, if he's shooting 33% from three, will there be some side eyes about, okay, maybe, 
you know, we overpaid here. It's possible. I mean, look, Duncan Robinson, I still believe if the Heat gave him an extended run, would shoot in the low 40s from three. Um, and and actually, Duncan's improved in some areas. Uh, but yet, you know, nobody looks at that contract at $18 million a year as a good contract. <laughs> right. So, you know, to the point that it's it's not, you know, at, it's not even, I don't think, a neutral asset for them in a trade. Um, so I, there was some risk to this, but I understand why Kobe did it. Um, and, and I, like I said, I, I think that, you know, value is relative to the team and their particular needs to Miami. wasn't worth that to Cleveland. He might be. Even last year, uh, Max Drews shot about 35% from three point uh, Mm -hmm. the year before about 41%. Um, Is that, is he somewhere in the middle of that or is he closer to the 35 or is he closer to the 40? Um, I think last year was a product of the dip because he he had, he had, he had about a month that wasn't very good, which kind of contributed to that. But but I I think the dip was mostly where he was getting some of the shots, um, and a lot of it was the inconsistency of their health, honestly. And the one thing I will say for Max is I think he led the team in games played. Um, he was the guy who was out there, but we know Jimmy missed twenty, as he's always going to do now, and even Bam missed a few, and um, and Kyle missed a bunch of time, and then Tyler, you know, there was the the fit into the starting lineup and then out. So they had they had a lot of issues, um, and they were kind of just holding on because they didn't want to spend any money. They didn't want to spend the tax, and so I, I just think Max. You know, two things happened. I think one, he got scouted um, in a different way. He talked about that, so I think that contributed to it. But I also think it was it was kind of the players around him. His role changed. You know, he had end of the season as a starter. Then he went to the bench. They were asking him to create a little bit more, um, so he wasn't in all the same spots. Like I said, he's got a quick release. He's willing to put it up for it to up to about 28 feet. Um, but I, I don't think some of the looks were as good. And some of it was just bad luck. Honestly, they had a weird, you know, he talks about their, you know, how they shot. And I know my friend Matt Moore is big on this HP basketball that, you know, they had this outlier shooting in the playoffs. The outlier shooting was really the regular season. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I understood it extended for the entire regular season, but they were a really good shooting team the season before. Till they got right. to the playoffs, and then and then they were they were horrible shooting team all last season, but they were like third in the league in creating good shots, and like they but they were last in the league in open threes made. Like they they just had shots going in and out the whole year. And Max, you know, Gabe was one of those. You know, everybody talks about Gabe now, and yes, he stepped in for Lowry and all that, but Gabe didn't shoot the wall well in the regular season either. So mm-hmm. really, the only guy who did was Tyler. Um, so. I, I don't think I don't think he's I don't think he's a 40 plus percent three point shooter on really high volume when being scouted. But I think you can get 37, 38 out of him on seven or eight attempts. And I think feel pretty comfortable with that. Even I started having conversations with people inside the Cavs organization about Max Struess shoot going back to like December Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like looking ahead to free agency and the kind of money that the Cavs were going to have and, and the kinds of players that probably would have been a fit and knowing that they went out in the off season and they tried to address the issue and they couldn't, and then they were going to try and address the issue at the trade deadline and they didn't. So like two way wings have always mm-hmm. been a problem for this organization since LeBron. And they've invested a bunch in trying to get that right. Karis LeVert right. via trade, Isaac Okoro in the draft. So I remember having conversations with people in the organization about Max specifically. And one of the things that they said is, you know, Chris, we just don't know because if we take him out of Miami, 
is he still going to have the success in our system Mm -hmm. around our players um, that he's having in Miami? Because guys that leave the heat don't usually perform the way that they did with the heat. Like number one, why do you think that is? And two, how much of a concern is that with Max leaving the heat? Well, I'll take the question separately. Let me take the second one first. Um, don't usually is actually an understatement. They never do. Yeah. Okay. You 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 you, you literally. I was trying to find one. No, at least no, one. no, the player the player does not exist. Uh, actually, because <laughs> because we we've done this podcast, um, and this is one of the reasons why we've made the case for them not to overpay these guys because. Uh, yes, they do have value to them, but they always find another. One of the issues they're having in trades, I believe, is because other teams are onto this. That like we'll get the mm-hmm. guy, but we don't. They're honest with themselves that like we don't have Eric Spolstra, right? Uh, this developmental program. Um, if you go all the way back, I mean, when the Heat, the Heat would have found they had undrafted finds pre Spo. I mean, they you know there's a lot of guys that contributed, but there was all the way back to Ike Austin or Anthony Carter or Bruce Bowen. Um, Mike James. I mean, there's a long list. Of, I mean, even Malik Allen contributes. And they've they've always found undrafted. Then they went through kind of that big three phase where they didn't develop anybody. And they 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 argue with me about this, but the only guys they developed were guys they drafted. Like they developed Norris Cole into enough. Um, mm-hmm. and, and but but none of the undrafted, the Terrell Harris's, the Mikel Gladys's of the world, none of them panned out. But then you know after the big three, after LeBron left, and then Chris got sick. Chris Bosch, they Spolcher really turned over his developmental, his his assistant coaching staff. They really engaged Sioux Falls, Adam Simon, uh, who's brilliant in my view and should be hired to run another organization. But I think ultimately he's going to run this one. Uh, he, uh, you know, he he kept finding these guys and sending them back and forth to Sioux Falls, etc. And and Spo, you know, empowered them. And and what they're really good at is finding one skill, right? So they find one skill and they develop yeah. that. Now they've got Rolando Robinson. This is their new one, you know, who's right. averaged 31 points over the last two games. And they find one skill and then they develop the rest. So with Orlando Robinson, they like some of his movement. The offense now all of a sudden he's shooting threes. Um, Jamal Kane's next on their list. Haywood Highsmith, we saw that last yeah. year. Um, but you look at the others, and, and it's to the point that literally Adam Simon has to stop taking calls because every agent wants to get their undrafted guy to Miami because they know it's basically they're going to they're going to be made into players and they're going to cash in. Um, but if you look at I mean, everybody from I mean, Tyler Johnson never did anything after he left. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, right. we, know, we know about that. Um, yeah. You know, you go through uh, I mean, li- literally, there there is not a single I mean, Rodney Magruder, I guess, functional, but not not to the same role. Um, that he had in Miami. Most of them are out of the league in two or three years. And so, you know, I, I think the thing that can make Max a little different is that I think that Max, he's not one-dimensional. He's not a three, I mean, he's not a three and D guy, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not one-dimensional. In other words, you can, there's enough athleticism there and there's enough awareness on defense that he can be effective enough. Um, and, and But but he's not, you know, he's not your, I mean, he's not Caleb defensively, right? Like, so Caleb's another right. example. You know, Miami gave Caleb a very fair contract. If Caleb went anywhere else, I don't know what he would be. But in Miami, they have a, they had a definitive role for him. Um, yeah. I, even, I, I'll even use this example, Josh Richardson literally right. did nothing in the four years since he left Miami. I absolutely guarantee you he's going to have a great year for them. He'll have a great, they know exactly how to use him. 
he might even start at the two next to Dame if they get Dame. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that the concern um, is that these guys have typically not been the same. Kendrick Nunn, another – so many examples. I mean, Kendrick Nunn was tearing up the league for three weeks with Miami when right. he started a couple of years ago. So I, I do think that is a concern. And I think that, you know, you talk about 3 and D, that's not Max. I think what Max is is Max is a guy who will plug holes for you. Mm. He will play hard as hell. He really will. He will get on the floor – He'll do all those kind of things. Um, he really just does care about winning. I will say that. There are some guys who say that. I firmly believe that with him. Uh, it's not about ego. It is totally about winning. Um, I just know, you know, you look at, I mean, I know you have a relationship with Kevin Love. Kevin loved Max. Like, like just from the beginning, they developed yeah. a relationship. You know, because I, I think he identified in Max somebody who did things the right way. Spo would always say Max was the first guy in last guy last guy out always. And that's on a team that values that this is the team with Jimmy Butler. So I I think you're getting a good one. Um, I just don't, if you're looking for a traditional, I I thought you guys needed a a, a really good three and D guy. Right. I don't don't know that that's what you got, but I think you've gotten an upgrade over, over the guys, Akuro, others who were playing kind of at that wing spot for you last year. The way that I've been putting it, Ethan, is that, Look, Max Drews is not an all-star, right? He's not a max-level player. And that's fine because the Cavs have a star in Darius Garland. They've got a star in Donovan Mitchell. And they've got what they think is a future star in Evan Mobley. So they need somebody who's going to understand their role and somebody who's going to blend into the fabric of the team and elevate the team in a different kind of way. And for me, like, I look at Max and say, it's not about his shooting percentages, It's not about his points per game. It's about the kind of effect that he can have around everybody else that's in that starting lineup. Mm -hmm. And the thing that the Cavs did not have in that starting lineup was somebody like Max, who is a threat to an opposing defense everywhere he goes on the court, who is somebody that defenses has to pay attention to, unlike Isaac Okoro, unlike Jetty Osman and some of the other guys that were playing the position. So to me, like, his greatest value can be what he means for Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and the rest of the team. And just like the gravity that he brings and the attention that he's going to draw. And I think there's a trickle down effect that is going to be felt by the Cavs entire offense that isn't even related to how effective and how productive Max is. Yeah, I think he'll help in that regard. I'll say this. He's not Duncan Robinson in that. Uh, right. Effect. So, like. And he's not, not Steph Curry and he's not Clay Thompson. No, but, but I'm talking about. He's the also he's, not Isaac Okoro. No, no, exactly. And that's the thing. Right. So, so he's, he's not the guy that, like I said, he was scouted last year. Um, right. But not scouted the same as Duncan. Where, where when Duncan's on the floor, it didn't matter if Duncan hadn't played in weeks. It's just the way that they were going to guard him. And that's why they tried to run all those dribble handoffs with Bam and Duncan to kind of exploit that. Um, Mm -hmm. Max is played more traditionally. He was just played tighter and, and that will create more space. And the fact that he is comfortable going a little bit further behind the line, uh, that will certainly help. But I think you hit on it. He is a blend into the fabric type of player who will then give you, you know, the big night when somebody else is, is not doing it. Um, I, I I really, I I mean, I like, like I said, I like the addition for Cleveland because I think, that his best role is for a good team, not a bad team, but also maybe not mm. for a team that's great yet. Okay. Right. So 
Like it, it's okay. You have your other guys. And the other thing is he's also the type of guy, like I say, for morale and everything else, he'll be the guy who's posting on his IG, you know, IG stories of Donovan Mitchell and, and Mobley and all the rest. I, he is very about that kind of stuff. Um, the fans yeah. will like him there a lot. I believe um, I don't, I think if Max went to a place in like New York and got off to a slow start from a shooting perspective, mm. that it might get in his head a little bit, maybe. Um, you know, I didn't think like a place like Chicago, which is home for him, would be ideal because it was home. I, I actually thought Cleveland was a really good fit for him. I, I I think when I heard that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I also heard the number and I said, yeah, the Heat ain't going to match that. And that was basically <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> so... You know, that, that, that's the thing. And I, I, I so I, I think it is, I think it's a really, I think it's a good fit for them. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at, at his ultimate contribution, if you could get, you know, on average 10 to 12 points, 37% shooting from three, um, you know, passable defense, mm-hmm. a lot of that grit type stuff, good team guy. No, he's a good player. He's a good player. And I, and they, you know, they kind of figure that out pretty quickly and, you know, I give him credit because even though I know Duncan has had some issues with Jimmy and Duncan, I mean, Duncan was getting paid $18 million a year and Max is getting paid nothing. And Spo paid Max ahead of him. I mean, and there there were reasons right. for that. And, and so, you know, I, I feel, you know, you got a guy in Duncan Robinson who has the all-time heat record for three-pointers made. So it's not like he was just passing some nobody. I mean, Duncan was a nobody before, but he wasn't once he, once he kind of emerged with Miami. So I, I, I like I said, I like the pickup. Um, I don't think it necessarily, you know, makes Cleveland top two in the conference. Um, but I think it sort of solidifies them in a key spot and keeps them kind of in that, you know, that high second tier of the conference, which is where I sort of have them. I think Cleveland would be very happy if he put up the kind of line that you said, you know, 10, 12 points a game, 37% from the three. I think that's exactly what they're looking for. Um, and as you said, the off the court stuff, I think that matters too. I think, you know, Cleveland's built this culture of kind of acceptance and and guys that really kind of gel together. And I think if Max can um, kind of come in and be that guy, that would be super uh, critical for them too. Uh, Ethan, we can't let you leave without talking a little bit about Damian Lillard. Um, <laughs> you know, you said it's your entire offseason and, and we get yep. it. Um, now, you said Cleveland's I, – I agree that Cleveland is probably not in the top tier of the Eastern Conference, but solid number two tier in the Eastern Conference – how does Miami play into that? If Damian Lillard goes there, are they the top dog in the Eastern Conference? Are they, uh, you know, the team to beat in the in the East or in the NBA? I mean, where where do you think if that Lillard trade happens? First of all, how does it happen? And second of all, where does that kind of place the Miami Heat if and when that happens? Well, when it happens, because yeah. I believe it's when, not if. Yeah. Um, just may take a little time. Yeah. I I think when it happens, provided that they don't have to give up too much, and I don't really know what would classify as too much. I think they're the favorites in the East, and and I, I'll, you know, because here's the thing they they've done this kind of build before, and mm-hmm. if you're telling me that you're going to give Eric Spolstra at this stage of his career, where he is a better coach than he's ever been, and you're going to give him. Jimmy and Bam, who you've gotten to the conference finals with three of the last four years and to the finals two of those years. And the one year you didn't was that shortened season, which was just like an extension of the previous. And you're going to give – and you know you can beat Boston already. You beat Milwaukee two of the last three times you played him in the playoffs. You have not had any shot creation. <laughs> and you're going to add a guy who who's getting you 30-plus, who is coming off – 
his best offensive season. I understand he's age 32, but I, I look, he had a better season at age 32 than Shaq did yep. before the Heat acquired Shaq in 04. So you're telling me you're going to give those three guys to Spo, and then I'm hearing this ridiculousness from Paul Pierce, who didn't know who the hell Gabe and Max and Caleb were two weeks before the finals and probably still doesn't know. And he's talking about how the Heat of Law will lose all this depth for Dame, so they'll get knocked out in the first round. And I'm thinking, okay, first thing, they just create Gabe's and Max's and Caleb's out of thin air. That's what they do. And that's been my whole point with them is don't overpay anybody because you will create new. Like this is the way the Heat should go. Go top heavy. Right. Go go top heavy because you can find guys that nobody else can find at cheaper rates. So you've created, you've found an inefficiency in the market, right? Like they, they've done the Billy Bean thing. What have they found? They found functional role players who sometimes yeah. are better than that. And they've identified them. This is one of the things I want to say about Max too, that ties into this. Very early on with Max, Caleb and Gabe, I called them alpha role players. They believe they're the best player on the floor, even if they don't like have the ego that goes with it. In other words, so they, so you're getting an alpha role player there. The Heat will find more of them. I mean, they stuck Haywood Highsmith into the playoffs last year, and he's defending Giannis. Like they, 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 right. they don't have. So, if you've got a market inefficiency, you exploit it. You're starting with with Dame, Jimmy, and Bam. I will tell you, and Chris, you know, obviously, I cover the big three. This fits better than that big three. I mean, those guys were younger. Okay, I mean, because mm-hmm. LeBron was 25, and Chris was turning 26, and Dame, and Dwayne was 28. Uh, younger than all but Bam, obviously, but. Yeah. But LeBron and Dwayne, it took them a year and a half to figure out right. how to make it work because they were in the same damn spot on the floor. Chris had to become more of a defender, than which he he obviously did, um, than he was in Toronto. I mean, this is like, what if Jimmy and Bam needed? They are not three-point threats, right? So, or not mm-hmm. consistent three-point threats in Jimmy's case. They've needed someone to create that offense to fill those gaps, okay? Because they are not a natural. You wouldn't put the two of them together offensively and say lead your franchise. They are. He creates. It's not just spacing. He's going to create space up to thirty-five feet. Like, and right. and, so, and, and then with the system that Spo runs with all the cutting and the actions and and the dribble handoffs and all this stuff. Like this is like. I mean, he's going to be. Uh, again, with, with LeBron and Dwayne, it was more complicated. This is not complicated. This alleviates all the complications. So to me, they would be the fa- – and you know, look, Dame is not a good defensive player at this stage, but Jimmy nope. and Bam will cover that up and so will the system because uh, right. Kyle was not a good defensive player at this stage. So I, I just think, to me, I don't think anybody's beaten in the knees. Like Porzingis, I don't – you know, in Milwaukee, I think they've maxed. I, I don't think Giannis is maxed, but I think that core uh, around him is maxed. So – um, how does it get done? Here's how it gets done. It's all leverage play. Um, the Heat have to be willing to wait it out, but mostly Dame has to stay strong. As long as Dame doesn't waver, he's going to Miami because no team is going to want to take him on with what they're going to have to give up for him with $63 million at the end of that contract if he's not going to be happy. They're just not going to do mm-hmm. it, okay? And Portland, really, you can't really take Dame into training camp because, look, the national media – is not going to care about Miami when training camp opens. They're going to go out to Portland, mm-hmm. whether Dame is there or not there. And do they really mm-hmm. want to deal with that? Like you've got Scoot, you've got Shade and Sharp, you've got Simons, you've got an interesting young core. Turn the page, okay? And there's no other offer coming. Like we can talk about Toronto. Yes, Kawhi went to Toronto. I, that's not going to happen, okay? Philadelphia. It's a different situation too, Ethan. Yes, right. 
Completely. Completely. Like, Kawhi did the Spurs wrong at the end. Dame has done anything wrong. He told them exactly what he needed them to do. They didn't do it. <laughs> so are you going to do wrong by – when you're a small market team that struggles to attract talent anyway, you're going to do wrong by arguably the best player in your franchise history who was the most loyal? They sent Drexler, previous regime, they sent Drexler to Houston. Yeah. So I, I think ultimately if Dame stays strong on this, he goes to Miami. And I know all the Boston-based media is going to freak out about all of it, but it's just real. He doesn't want to play in Boston. We know why he doesn't want to play in Boston. Blame the right. fans. Yeah. Okay? Yep. So, I, so I mean, that's their own damn fault. So I, I think ultimately uh, he ends up here, and I think this is just about creating cover and saving face. It's about what Cronin basically being able to say, I got one more asset out of them. Don't fire me, basically. I was going to ask you, is there any team that is that is just like looming out there that, that Miami Heat fans are concerned about swooping in and, and getting Dame? Like the way that the Cavs swooped in and took Donovan from the New York mm-hmm. Knicks. I mean, I thought it would be Philly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know, look, it's not going to be Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn's interest here seems to be more in Tyler because I, I feel like that. And that's ultimately, I think what's going to happen is they'll end up flipping a first round pick, which will unlock the heat's picks, uh, which allow them to trade more to Portland. Tyler ends up in, in Brooklyn. And, and I think he's a really good fit there. They need a scorer. They've got bridges. They've got cam Johnson. They've got, um, they've got uh, Nick Claxton. That core is probably, you know, probably avoids the plan, honestly. Um and and you know in the east because I which I because it seems again like all the it, the pendulum is swinging back west again so I I feel like you know they'll be fine with him um, you know I don't really think Toronto I don't not going to Atlanta uh, so to me the one team was was Philly but they've got to be willing to include Maxi mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem at the moment like they are and it seems like Moray has other priorities anyway. Um, we all know how the national media feels about Moray because he gives them shit off the record, basically. And so they've protected him for years, but I don't think he's done a particularly good job. Um, and so I I I don't think he will be able to pull this off. Like the Heat have waited these things out before. It does not mean they've gotten everybody. Right. But but they got look, going back to Pat's first major move in Miami. He waited out Alonzo Morning rejecting a contract from the Charlotte Hornets. And that happened on November 3rd. They were monitoring the entire situation. It happened on November 3rd. And then a day and a half later, he struck the deal literally the night before the season started. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, even a, a couple of years ago, they, they, he waited out Masai on Lowry and then Masai didn't want to trade it to him, which he should have at the time, actually. And so, you know, Pat, with three minutes left before the deadline, they got Oladipo, which they always had in their back pocket. They they will wait this thing out because they've got no place else to go at this point. I don't think they're going to go get Zach Levine. There's nobody in free agency that really could have helped based on their tax situation. And Mickey's really only willing to pay crazy tax if it's for someone like Dame. So I just think at this point it's Dame or bust, and ultimately Mm -hmm. it would be Dame. Well, Ethan, we can't thank you enough for joining us today on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Uh, again, thank you for your time, for your expertise. And uh, we'll see what happens with Dame. And obviously, uh, you'll be probably keeping an eye on Max Struess as well, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, take care of him. He's a good dude. He really is. Yeah.
Yeah. And he'll be on your podcast. Is that happening? Yeah, he and I are negotiating that. I think he wants to get uh, he wants to get all the introductions uh, in Cleveland first. But he he is the type that would want uh, want to say goodbye to the fans. So we're going to give him that opportunity. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. I think Cleveland fans would be interested in that too. So you can get check out uh, Ethan's podcast, the Five Reasons podcast. Um, and again, thank you, Ethan Skolnick from Five Reasons, for joining us today. Chris, thank you for joining us as always, and um, thank you for listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. You can find Chris's subtext. $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get all of the insight, analysis, and news from Chris straight to your phone before anywhere else, before Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. So $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click the blue banner at the top of the page, and you'll be sent straight to Chris's subtext. Otherwise, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon on the Money Gold Talk podcast. Take care.